I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And we are here today to talk about an article that I wrote called Financial Cravings. And just like every week, I got my two partners in crime, Mr. Sean Latimer and Miss Leslie Ray. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello. You sound so serious. I'm not trying to be serious. <laughs> I was just going to open up and tell people, if you're wondering why we're always so happy on these podcasts, it's because we record them on... Fridays. Fridays. And who's not happy on a Friday? That's right. Friday is just a happy Fridays. day. I love Fridays. Mondays are the tough day. Mondays you, are good, too. Mon- every like day is good when you work at the Bonsa Group. That's right. So I opened up today's article uh, talking about that I used to race uh, BMX bikes. And I moved down to Southern California to compete at what my hopes were at a professional level. I never ended up doing that. I was uh, one of the top amateur- amateurs in the country but didn't go professional. But we took it really seriously. Uh, We trained twice a day, and kind of our whole life revolved around trying to get better at BMX racing, which I'll mention to you, Leslie. It's a huge sport in France. There's a lot of great French racers. I don't know if you know any of them. (laughs) I know nothing about that. Fair enough. There's a lot of good cyclists. That's, I know. Yeah. The Tour de France used that's to right, go yeah. in front of my house in France. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's a lot like the Tour de France, just a little bit cooler. <laughs> no, I know what A little bit is. edgier, right? <laughs> a little edgier. So what I talked about in the article is that we had to take everything serious uh, because we were looking for that edge, right? We Everybody had some natural-born talent, and everybody trained hard. So you always had to figure out, where am I going to find my edge? Uh, and, and some of that was from your diet. Like, how were you eating? So we had a sign in our kitchen, and I'm not making a joke. Like, there's two signs in the kitchen that said, eat for fuel, not for taste. Because <laughs> our trainer was always reminding us that because some of the things that would be driven by our cravings mm-hmm. weren't always the best things for us to be eating uh, for top performance, right? Our goal was to be a champion. So I talk about in this article that there's this difference between cravings and objectives, and how cravings can get in the way of you potentially reaching your objectives. And that was true in BMX. I I talk about in the article how it's true when you go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. If you go to the grocery store very hungry, it's uh, hard to shop, right? You start to buy a lot of snacky stuff that fulfills that appetite and cravings. So in order to have objectives when you show up at the grocery store, it's good to have a grocery list. Check all the items and then make sure you're really just shopping for the items you were planning on getting. Now, we're not here to talk about grocery lists. We're here to talk about personal finance. How this relates to personal finance is we talked about last week this utmost importance of the marriage between a financial plan and an investment strategy. And the investment strategy was fulfilling the objectives of the financial plan. The problem is people like to tinker with the investment portfolio. And what financial cravings look like is when people are excited about what's trending or what's done well, and they start to get a greater appetite for, I don't want to use the word risk, because I, I, we've right. talked about before how that word's misused, but they get a greater appetite for stocks. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling that heavy right now. When, you know, post-COVID, the market bottomed on March 23rd, we've had 11 or 12 months, you know, we're not done with this month, but uh, of just really strong markets. So I have a lot of conversations where people are like, don't you think we should just own a little bit more stocks? Yeah, of course. And I have no problem with that if it lines up with the financial plan we're designing. I don't like that when it's part of financial cravings. It's kind of a part of FOMO, fear of missing out. 
because it's hard not to get emotional about our money, right? And I do see it often because in the scenario that you'll probably get to, but if a client does have half stocks, half cash, or some sort of balanced portfolio, it's almost counterintuitive to think about, but the time to actually make the changes is March of last year when you're feeling the most pain. But I didn't get a lot of calls of people saying, hey, should we buy more stocks? I got some, maybe some experienced investors that kind of knew, hey, it's probably a good time to rebalance, maybe add to equities. But most people were saying, is this the end of the world? Why do we own these things that went down? What are we doing? They're not saying, hey, let's use our, our boring bonds, or our cash and put them in equities, even though that would typically be the time to do it. And now we're at a point where we've had a pretty historic run measuring an 11 month uh, range. And I, I, I hear a lot of the same things that you're hearing, where why don't we take these things that aren't returning as much, maybe two, 3% or our safe money, and we buy stocks? Well, you would think the answer is pretty obvious, but it's not. Yeah, and a term I use a lot with clients, I probably took it from someone else. I, I don't think I came up with this, but it's rebalance into the pain. Mm-hmm. And like if you go back to an analogy about exercise, some exercises call you to go to failure, right? It's a lot different if you take you know five-pound dumbbells and just do five uh, bicep curls versus taking something a little bit heavier and making your reputations go till failure, right? That is something that will really drive strength and uh what would you call that a muscular they, growth? Yeah, they say that those last few repetitions, like the hardest ones are actually where you get a majority of the results. So there's some relationship between rebalancing into the pain or exercise that those moments are what can make or break somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Leslie, what do you think? Well, to me, it sounds like people like discounts, but they don't like to buy on sales for stocks and bond or whatever assets they own in their portfolio. So when it's down, people get emotional of course it's an emotional response that's why you guys are here that's why we are here to also help people through that and help them stay the course and then when everything is up and people see on social media on tv everywhere articles about how owning this and that is great because people don't think about the downside the potential downside that they could have um, and also it's too late to buy at that point. Once you see it on TV, once out there, it's already too late, to, maybe too expensive. To yeah, one purchase. thing Trevor says all the time is expensive things can get more expensive. <laughs> and uh, yeah, True. there's a quote from a financial author, Colin Roach, where he says, the stock market is the only market where when things go on sale, the customers run out the door. That's true. I was thinking of the exact same thing. <laughs> and I think the, I wrote about this in the article is that this is evergreen, right? This is something you could write and, and, and be relative at any point. But I think it's also timely because I feel those cravings right now. Mm-hmm. What, I was at a five-year-old birthday party, and uh, I won't get into the specifics because I want to protect the innocent and the people <laughs> that are my friends. But the conversations uh, around the adults about cryptocurrencies and things that can never fail and stuff like that, I could feel, wow, there's such, just such a strong appetite. And I will use it here. I, this is a strong appetite for risk. And what people don't always understand is that typically when you see that that peak of enthusiasm, it's always also relative to the peak of the valuation of that asset. Yeah. And usually when you see the trough, so the bottom, that's usually the the bottom point of despair when things start to kind of climb out of uh, that point. So if you find yourself having a craving towards wanting to adjust your portfolio for reasons that are outside of your financial plan, 
you kind of have to put yourself in check. It also comes down to, I don't have a better word for it, and it sounds kind of harsh, but it's greed. Because when you do put together a financial plan, you come to a determined return or expected return that's needed for their plan to be accomplished. And if people have done a great job saving, they don't need to swing for the fences. And But the idea of them missing out when their friends are getting higher returns because they're maybe more skeptical assets, it's hard not to have that feeling of greed that, you know, if we tinker, if we just change this or change that and get a little bit more. And like you said, when we're in this feeling of euphoria, that's typically a key indicator that, you know, there is a correction coming, not if, but when. And sometimes it's good to memorialize these discussions. I know I had uh, one person that came to me and said, you know, I want to kind of uptick this or, or, or take a little bit more risk. And uh, my response is like, let's just check out the game film. Like, yeah. Let me go to my email and let's look at some of the exchanges we had in March. Not as a, you know. Uh, a, I told you so. Or no, like not at all. Just to say, I don't, I don't remember. It's really hard to remember feelings. Right. But when you have it in an email, it's like a journal. Oh, how did you feel that day? And we start to look at that. And I think that game film is very powerful. Yeah. And coming back to what we were discussing last week about risk tolerance, it's also linked to your risk tolerance. The problem is when it's a feeling of euphoria, everybody's talking about it. You don't even think it can fail. You just want to be in and part of this group and part of the growth and everything. You just don't think about the time where your portfolio lost a lot of money and you freaked out and you wanted to go all in cash or something like that. And people tend to forget these moments. Um, and so that's also why we're here to remind people. And a good, I want to say there is sometimes where we can change the allocation because people's goals change in their plan. Now that's a good time to revisit that. That's such a good point. Yeah. If someone says that they want to change it, and you ask them why or, you know, what's changed. It should be because their circumstances change or their goals change, not because they're trying to get a better outcome because they see someone else doing something different. Yeah, and it's funny when you speak to expectations like that. Uh, one conversation comes to mind for me is I was telling somebody that you came on as a client at a really unique time. Like you were starting in late October, November being one of the best months for markets in like the last century. And also the style of investing that we do, just a real favorable time to start. And I was saying that because those first four or five months were not reflective of what I believe the future was going to look like, right? And a lot of time we set expectations by first impressions. Mm -hmm. And the response was kind of interesting it is the, the person's response was like, oh, you know, I was, I was happy with it, but a lot of my my son's friends and people that I, I talked to were talking about getting returns much greater than this. And that led us to a really good conversation of kind of harmonizing his expectations to reality and, and what we're going to experience based on the design of the portfolio. But I, I told another advisor, aligning expectations between the client and advisor is so key and nobody ever talks about it. Right, that you know, one person on the other end of the table might have a different expectation than what your perception of what you're presenting, and that will rear its ugly head at the worst possible time. Mm -hmm. So, this is a great time to have honest conversations about hey, these last couple months are not normal, right? This is what recovery feels like. This is when you pull a rubber band back and it kind of snaps to the positive. And it doesn't even have to be uh, performance. Uh, setting those expectations could be how often you guys talk or check in or how often you meet or update your plan. Or it, it, I'm, I'm learning this as I go through my career that the expectations, it's, it's definitely not one size fits all. And uh, 
and it's good to have that those expectations and uh, guidelines kind of set up front. And I'll transition the conversation a little bit because I really want to say what I'm not saying in this article. I am not saying that it's a, a bad time to get into markets because how they've done in the last three, four, five months. I'm actually telling you I have no idea what the future has in store. And I'll often tell people the way markets work is a lot of the time it's three steps forward and one step backwards. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not that sequence. Maybe you start out and it's one step backwards and then three steps forward. But that's how markets work, right? They have a tilt towards being positive in the long run, but they are not absent of volatility. So I'm convinced that there's not a, a mechanism for market timing so I am not going to be the person that tells you, oh, you should start now versus later. I think there's something to be said when you have markets where valuation gets just extremely stretched. But those are rare cases, things like Japan in the 80s or the tech bubble. And I think you can have those opinions in that time. But other than that, those are not good mechanisms for timing your strategy. And one of the things I talked about in this article, and I don't know if it resonated with you guys because it was hard to articulate, but it was this idea of perspective. And I, I talked about when my wife and I went to Italy and we went to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You have all these people lined up like maybe 100 yards or 150 yards away from the tower. And they're taking these photos of them like like it, the way perspective works, like either pushing over the tower yeah. or holding it up. And it, it just kind of sat with me to say, oh, this is so funny because in this photo – Everything is flat and one-dimensional, and you don't have kind of depth perception. So it looks like this person is actually doing this. Which one did you guys do? Uh, I don't know. I can send it to you. <laughs> Nicole did one of them. Uh, but I said, hey, if you're standing right next to the building and you look up, like you might get vertigo. Like it's, it's overwhelming. It's big. It's scary. It's daunting. But then when you step back, it's comical, right? And I think markets are really similar. If you're experiencing a March 23rd, 2020 moment, it feels like the end of the world. But then once you zoom out, those things start to be not so daunting and they start to disappear, right? The peaks and troughs, when you look at a market chart over a longer period of time, the lines start to look a lot smoother. Yeah, so we like to look around like 30 years back. If you look at those graphs, you see this is just a blimp. You don't even see it on the graph sometimes except major events. And... I think when people look at um, things, they can also look at it from a different angle, such as, yeah, we talk about markets, but really they are companies. And these companies are still going to produce widgets or still work like an app or whatever company we're talking about at that point. So um, for some clients, I see as financial planner on the other side, less talking about investment, more about financial planning, that sometimes people have a you know, when we talk about markets, it's very abstract and it's something they don't really understand. And so when that's what the emotional comes in. But if you think about it as companies and really shares of companies that you own, a little bit more, make it more concrete, it's a little easier for people to handle, uh, uh, sorry, to handle uh, the ups and downs in the market. And that's a good point. That's why education is so important. And uh, there is some handholding in the advisor-client relationship because Pain is more potent than pleasure. And so even though we look at a 30-year chart and we look at certain times of the market, we can sit there and think, look, look, at it was a blip on the radar. Didn't impact your plan at all. Stick to the plan. But at the time, it was really painful. And it's hard to tell someone when they have the, that feeling again that, hey, this is no big deal. It's going to be okay. 
So it's important to kind of ha- hold their hand throughout the way. I often find myself talking about it in extremes too, it, it, telling somebody like, you know, we're talking about risk tolerance, right? And somebody's like, yeah, you know, I'm comfortable with a, a 30% downside or, you know, drawdown or whatnot. I will emphasize in that moment, I'm telling you right now, it's going to feel like the end of the world. And that feels like hyperbole, but I'm like, no, I'm just telling you when these events happen, go ahead and turn on financial news. The entire screen is red. People are talking about Armageddon-like things. People are talking about this is the way it's going to be forever. It's never going to change. Yeah, right? or they'll they, say this is different. It's different this time, and they stretch it over. So preparing somebody for that moment, I think, is is huge. And uh, a weird analogy here, but I, I think about that movie with Liam Neeson. I think it's called Taken, uh, and his daughter is hiding under the bed, and he's, you know, some sort of like CIA, CIA agent yeah. or whatever he is. He's I'll like, find you. Yeah, he, um, <laughs> but he, he basically like tells her like these three steps, like take the phone, set it here. What do you see? Do that, whatever. And he goes like, next you're going to be taken. Right. And then she gets pulled up. So it's like, he knew uh, to be cool in that moment, but he knew his daughter was about to be kidnapped. Right. And that's somebody that's been through those moments multiple times and can be, like a sage or somebody to kind of help you walk through that. And that's where a financial advisor, I believe, can be really impactful. Yeah, I agree. So we'll end with this. Um, definitely don't take from this article that you should try to gather some sort of timing strategy. Like we said with the Leaning Tower of Pisa, um, you could start at the worst possible moment where it's two steps backwards for markets. But if it fits with your time horizon, it can still absolutely help you achieve all your goals. And that little blip in the radar from your financial plan perspective, it's forgettable. It, it, it actually doesn't even really move the needle. So I hope that's good food for thought. We hope you don't uh, give in to your financial cravings uh, and we'll remind you that you should always eat for fuel, not for taste. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Unless it's Burger Friday. Yeah, I love, I'm a, food, I'm a foodie, so that sign does not... <laughs> that sign's not up in the kitchen anymore, right? No, absolutely not. Uh, it's been a long time since exercise and eating right, and uh, I probably need to start changing that. Uh, anyway, we appreciate you listening. We'll ask that you leave uh, comments on the podcast. Go ahead and rate the podcast. Five stars is preferred, but whatever your preference. And then you're welcome to email us uh, Tom at thebonsagroup.com. You can address any of us, Leslie, Sean, Trevor. We'd be happy to engage with you, answer questions, or um, if you have any topic ideas or things you want us to discuss, we look forward to doing that as well. And of course, we will be back next Friday with more of our Thoughts Thoughts on on money. Money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. 
The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.